You're listening to Retail Disrupted, a podcast that explores the latest industry developments and the trends that will shape how we shop in the future. I'm your host, Natalie Berg. Hello, and welcome back to Retail Disrupted. This is the third and final episode as part of our special series for the Richmond Retail and E-Commerce Directors Forum. For those of you who missed the previous two episodes, you can go back and watch my interviews with Sarah Welsh, CEO of Retail for N. Brown, and Chris Brown, former Global Retail Director at Ted Baker. Both Sarah and Chris will be speaking at the event in April, so if you'd like to hear more from them, as well as other brands like Charlotte Tilbury, Tesco, TikTok, Jimmy Choo, and many, many more, there is still time to register for the event, Please bear in mind, this event is exclusively for retailers. So for all of my retail listeners, if you would like to join us, please drop me a message on LinkedIn or Twitter, or you can send me an email and I should be able to hook you up with Ticket. Again, I will be including all of the links in the show notes. Now, on to today's episode. I am delighted to welcome Nigel Adi to the podcast. Nigel is the CEO of the UK and Europe's leading golf retailer, American Golf. Nigel's journey began on the shop floor of M&S, and through hard work, determination, and a desire to succeed, he progressed from shop assistant to executive. Nigel has since undertaken five CEO roles for House of Fraser, New Look, Matalan, The Range, and most recently, American Golf. He leads by example to inspire people towards engaging in strategy, strong critical thinking, and excellent interpersonal skills. Nigel, welcome to Retail Disrupted. It's such a pleasure to have you here today. We we are going to be giving our listeners or viewers, for those of us watching on YouTube, we're going to be giving you a little preview of Nigel's talk at the Richmond Retail and E-Commerce Directors Forum. Now, Nigel, I'd like to start big and talk about success. You have an absolute wealth of experience, having led a number of retailers throughout your career. House of Fraser, The Range, New Look, Matalan, and now American Golf. So I'd love to jump right in and ask what you consider to be your biggest success. What are you most proud of in your career? God, that's one big question to start with, Natalie. But, I said um, we we're going big. Thank you for that to start. <laughs> <laughs> look, I, I, I look across my whole career and I, I say, you know, I've been very lucky to run some great businesses like the ones you've mentioned. Um, I did 20 years with Marks and Spencer, which, Marks and Spencer, which is an institution in its own right. Um, and therefore, it's very difficult to pick out one big success. I guess probably um, when I reflect on it, it would probably be being the um, CEO of New Look and going through the pandemic. And, and I say that because, you know, we had 10,000 colleagues. Um, we were learning as we went along every day. You know, we'd only just introduced teams into our business. So people didn't even know how to communicate outside the office. Um, and, you know, 10,000 colleagues were looking at me on Teams and saying, Nigel, what are you doing about this? Have we still got a job? What's going to happen? When are we going to go back to work? And quite frankly, you know, none of us had experienced it. So, you know. We then had to refinance the business. We did a CVA. We, um, we have done a number of refinances now. Um, but 
Yeah, and out of it, we came out stronger. We'd grown our online business. We'd grown our market share. And I, I probably look back on that and say, you know, it was one of the toughest times. I learned something new every day, but probably it was one of the biggest successes. Yeah, that's so interesting. And it just, you know, that whole idea of necessity being the mother of invention. I mean, I think that absolutely, absolutely. rang true for a lot of retailers. So really interesting. Now, I'd like to continue with the success theme, Nigel, and ask you what or maybe who keeps you motivated? What are your sources of inspiration these days? I'm, I'm motivated by results. You know, I'm motivated by success. I'm motivated by doing a good job. Um, about driving and developing a business, about you know driving the management team to succeed. Um, I wake up every morning and I look forward to going to work. I think the day I wake up and think, oh, I've got to go to work today, is probably the day that you decide you may know you may want to be looking for something else. Um, I've had some great people I've worked with over the years, um, some great chairmen, some great CEOs. Um, and, you know, I, I reflect on those again and say, you know, they helped me develop me as the management person I am today. Um, but I, I motivate myself, you know, I'm self-motivated and I've, whether it's be in work or in sport, uh, you know, I like success and I like results. Fantastic. Now, we know that retail is evolving at such an incredible pace. And I think when we look to the future, the skills required by people working in our industry are going to shift fairly dramatically. And I think it's going to impact everyone from store, warehouse staff, right through to head office. Um, at the same time, I think some things will never change, right? So the customer always has to be Absolutely. at the heart of the decision-making process. And I think um, I'm really, really keen to get your take on this, Nigel, because what I found really interesting is it seems like more and more retailers are requiring executive teams to go and work on the shop floor to get closer to the customer, Absolutely. to experience what they experience. And I know you started your career on the shop floor, and I think retail is such a unique and brilliant industry for this. So I'm curious to know, what would you consider to be the most important skills or personality traits required in retail today? What do you tend to look for when building your teams? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I did start on the shop floor and it taught me an awful lot, you know, way back when. I won't tell you how many years ago, but, um, <laughs> you know, I learned that you've got to listen to the customer. The customer will tell you what he or she wants. Um, and I, I, to this day, I do two days a week, every week um, on the shop floor now in American Golf, previously in the other businesses that you mentioned. Because I get more from that, from listening, learning, seeing what the customers want. And therefore, you know, the, the, the management teams we need um, in retail in, in, in this, you know, what is a very challenging time for retail are those people who want to get out onto the shop floor to, you know, talk to customers, um, to, to challenge themselves and challenge their teams um, and listen, you know, listen to what the customers are saying. Um, it's it's no good sitting in an ivory tower saying this is what we want because I've checked the computer and it's saying this. Well, the computer can often tell you things that aren't necessarily what the customers are telling you, you know. Um, and so, uh, and you're right, you know, retail it is it is changing. But over my forty years in retail, it has constantly changed. It's constantly evolved, and it will continue to do so. So when people say to me, "Oh, retail isn't what like isn't what it like like it used to be," 
They're absolutely right. But, you know, nor do we want it to be like it used to be. But let's remember, you know, it's evolving in many respects. Um, it's it's evolving for the better, you know. So, and I guess the other bit, quite a long answer, I'm sorry, Natalie, but the other bit is that, you know, um, we need to um, be having people who want to embrace change, you know, um, who take that on board as the challenge. Um, you can't sit and not move, you know. You've got to think about what's the next thing, you know, how does it, how is it going to evolve? How do I maintain the... Um, the heritage of the business, the DNA of the business. You know, I'm in a business that was founded in 1978, so it's still relatively new. But, you know, how do I maintain that DNA that, you know, the, um, the founders of um, American Golf have? But how do I put it into a 21st century um, mode? You know, and that is, to, from, from my point of view, that's about omnichannel. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And I think you're totally right. It's those status quo retailers that are really struggling. You just can't yeah. stand still in yeah. retail. That's the most no, dangerous place absolutely. to be, right? So um, maybe yeah, that's a, a nice a nice time to shift uh, into omnichannel and, and sort of what you're doing at American Golf. And I um, I have to admit, I'm not a golfer. I'm probably not your target customer. But I can imagine that um, as a specialist retailer, one of the um, great things about it must be that you do have a very clear idea of who your customer is, and I imagine they're they're you know they're going to be more engage more willing to engage with you than uh, than if you were a mass market retailer, for example. You know who your customer is, and yeah. and they're going to be it's easier to transition them to kind of super fans or brand ambassadors. So, um, but I also imagine they still have the same digital expectations from your brand as they would from any other brand. So maybe you can talk to uh, the omnichannel transition, if you will. Yeah. We, we've really built online, um, uh, but we've also maintained a very strong business in our shops. Um, and that's because we have custom fit. You know, um, the, 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 the real golfers want to have their clubs fitted, custom fitted for them. And you can't do that online. But what you can do is do all your research online before you come into store. Um, what I've seen certainly in the last 12 months in what you said, you're absolutely right to say it's a specialist business. You know, customers have researched all the clubs. They've researched Callaway, they've researched Ping, they've researched TaylorMade. They've sort of got an idea what they want, but they then want to have that custom fitting. Um, they want the expertise of the um, 300 or so custom fit professionals we have in our business um, to advise them to make sure that they've got that right colour. Because if they're spending £549 on a driver, they want to make sure they've got the driver that's right for them. So what we've tried to do is, you know, um, still have that bricks and mortar, custom fit, personal service, VIP experience, but link that also back to online um, for them to do their research or, you know, for them, they may just want a dozen golf balls, you know, um, and they just want to buy that. They want to have it delivered to the home because they know they're playing on Saturday. And so we're not competing between online and offline. We're actually bringing them both together, merging them both together and looking, them very, looking at them very much as one business. And I think that's where those businesses that have been successful um, are, are those that have truly embraced on the channel. Uh, and we, you know, when I first sort of looked at this business, I was thinking, how can you possibly think about buying clubs online? Well, there's plenty of other things, you know, shoes, apparel, um, there's all those things. And then a bit, and the other, the other thing, just to take up what you talked about, the knowledge of our customer base, Natalie. You know, we have seven hundred fifty thousand, three quarters of a million 
regular shoppers um, and um, who have an American um, American golf card. Um, and they swipe when they come in 85% of the times. So 85 wow. out of the 100 customers swipe. That is a very high figure. I've never been in a business that has an 85% swipe rate. So we've got an absolute up-to-date um, database of those customers. So we know that they may have bought um, apparel recently, but they haven't bought clubs. They may have bought um, a driver, but they haven't bought a putter for two years. So we can then start targeting through our emails, um, through our online, um, and say, you know, um, I won't use you as an example because you aren't a golfer, but, you know, we could say, dear Nigel, um, we noticed that you bought a new set of irons last year with us. We hope you're enjoying playing with them. But we also note that you haven't bought a putter. Why don't you come in for a free custom fit on putters and we'll help you choose the club that's right for you. And therefore, you're interacting via, um, uh, via email. You're interacting by bringing them in. And then you're doing that personal service as well. Yeah, that's that's so interesting because I think you're right. You know, as consumers, we don't think in channels. You know, we're channel agnostic, we're device agnostic. Yeah. And as I've said before on this podcast, it's the retailers that are thinking in those those channel terms. So really yeah. interesting to see more and more retailers embracing that um, approach, where it really is about offering a unified experience for the customer across the many touch points that that exist today. Yes. Um, now. On the topic of retail and where it's going, I'd love to know how you see retail evolving in the future and if there are any particular trends or innovations that you're excited about. Yeah. Well, maybe I could break that into retail generally and then a bit more about sports retail and specialist retail. I think it, you know, most people in retail know how unbelievably challenging it is at the moment. Challenges staff retention, theft and loss, and I'm afraid to say violence um, to employees. So we've got all those challenges. Uh, we've got a cost of living crisis, which, you know, it's good to see that interest rates are coming down, that inflation is starting to slow down a bit. But, you know, what, what the past year has done is highlighted um, the need to for, for consumers to really consider what they're spending money on. Their discretionary spend has, has reduced. And, and that's not going to just suddenly stop. Now, we are slightly lucky in, in golf uh, where our customers have continued to want to play golf and have continued to buy golf balls or buy apparel or buy clubs. Um, I'm not saying they're buying it at the same rate as they were or not as many items, but they are buying. And perhaps we haven't been affected at quite as much as some other sectors of the retail market. But what we have done is said, right, OK, you know, if there is slightly less money to be spent, um, and there is um, maybe not quite so many visits per year as previously, what we've got to do is give those customers a fantastic experience when they come in. We need to treat every customer as a VIP. We need to have a strategy that, you know, is in line with what our customers are wanting. And that's what we've done. So, we, you know, we are very much driving that VIP experience, that personal service. And I think that's what, you know, for any retailers, that's what they've got to really think about is what is that experience? Because you can buy online, most things, you know, you can go elsewhere and it may be slightly cheaper. But if you can add to that, actually, a great experience where you're made to feel really good and you leave saying, you know, that was fantastic. 
And I think that's where you can add to your, to your business compared with other people's businesses. And that's what I'm trying to do across. And we're not there yet, I'm afraid. We, you know, we, we're on a great journey. We've done a lot, but it doesn't change overnight. You've got to instill this into every colleague. You know, every person who comes through, through that door, whether they're buying a bag of teas or spending £1,100 on a set of irons or £550 on a driver, you've got to treat them as a VIP. Yeah, I love that because uh, a phrase that I keep going back to is uh, democratization of white glove service is sort of something Absolutely. I keep coming back to. And I think, yeah, hearing you say you've got to treat everyone as a VIP, that is exactly the same the same message, isn't it? So um, that's that's super interesting. And I guess it's it's a big cultural shift as well, isn't it? Because you're you're now asking your staff, I mean, maybe not so much for you as a specialist retailer, but I think if this is the direction to travel for the industry more generally, and that you can buy anything online, and if you're yeah. going to go into a shop, you want something a bit more, you want an experience, you want that human Absolutely. touch, that personalization. So how how do you see retailers in the future going about this this huge shift, this transition? Um, because I think, again, to go back to the, one of our earlier um, your earlier points around the skills required from store staff. I mean, is it, it's not just a case of giving them those digital training and the, the digital tools to offer that experience, but also um, it's, it's a different mindset, I suppose. So just, yeah, yeah. just no, curious to hear your views. It is. You know, I, when I think back over the years, Natalie, you know, shoppers would come in because they wanted advice off the sales team. Um, and, you know, in the days gone by, I'm probably sounding rather old now and I don't mean to, but, you know, in, in days gone by, the um, sales team would have more knowledge than the shopper. Nowadays, the shopper often comes in and they've got as much, if not more, information and knowledge than the, than the sales guys. They've done all their research. They're well versed about the product. They may well have been around and, and tested it. Um, and then they've also, you know, they've got the opportunity to look and read um, online, in most cases, on what other people say about the product and what sort of experience they've had. You know, again, you perhaps talk to a couple of friends and say you've had a good experience or have not. Now, if you've had a bad experience, that could be that could literally be worldwide. You know, yeah. um, So, again, this doesn't happen overnight, but we're talking to the teams and saying you've got to think about now. The guys who are going to come in, they are very knowledgeable. You've got to share the knowledge you've got and listen to the knowledge they've got in a way that makes them feel, again, like a VIP. And, and you know, this is not about extensive training. It's just about psyche. It's about getting people thinking the, the right way. And, and it's instilling that in them by talking to them on a regular basis. And, and what we've also done, you know, we took all our store managers um, away for a day and we talked about that very much about that we took them to one of the golf brands they had a try of the new clubs um, and we talked about service and all the things that we've just been talking about now um, we've taken away all our golf fitters um, to learn about the new products that are launched in January um, in the golf world um, so that they can go back and talk to customers with confidence and knowledge um, and share it with them and you know the customers love it and, and in the old days, you used to have a little black book, you know, where you'd ring your, your um, regular customers and say, just to let you know, Nigel, we've just had in the new Ping driver or, you know, the new TaylorMade or the new Callaway or whatever. Um, 
we want to encourage that still. It may be done through an email now. It may be done through a text now, but it still provides that personal service, which our customers want. It doesn't happen overnight. It's constant reminder. You know, these guys pay your wages. You know, these guys are the ones that keep us, you know, growing our market share. And therefore, we've got to continue from a top CEO, directors, heads of regional store man regional sales managers, keep going on and talking to all our colleagues about the importance of that. Fantastic. Nigel, it's been wonderful to chat to you and I look forward to continuing our conversation in April. Thank you very much, Natalie. Thank you for listening to Retail Disrupted. If you enjoyed this episode and would like to support the podcast, please leave a rating or review or share it with others. It really makes a difference.